Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We are back with uh, two new podcasts yet again this week, so we'll have another one on Friday, as we always do. We are shooting still stuff for Season 9. This is actually a big shoot week for us because we're we're wrapping up a lot of shoots because that season starts really soon. It kind of got backed up with just scheduling because we have a myriad of ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably yeah. close to 10 every season. Yeah. And it just kind of depends on what cars are avail- available, what works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Originally, for the Coda meetup, we wanted to drive our own cars and try to get those on Coda. For Austin. For yeah, Austin. Yeah. Excuse yeah, yeah. me. It didn't work out. Couldn't get on track. So we need to go back. Just gives us a reason to go back. Yeah, we're excited about that. But yeah, uh, yeah the scheduling and we've continued to think of ideas and some of them didn't pan out. They weren't going to pan out. And then they did. And then the cars were available and I and then others kept popped jumping up. up and down going, I need the cars. Yes. Give me yes, the cars. We had other ideas that we were like, Oh, we'll do that next season. Like, no, no, no that's going to be this season now. So there's always that yeah. swapping. And, and we don't say this to complain. It's just, this is the stuff that's going on behind the scenes while we are sent every CUV or SUV on the planet for mm-hmm. the test drive channel that continues as well. So that's good stuff. By the way, while we're rocketing our way into June already, which I can't believe father's yeah. day is coming up. Yes. And if you have a father in your life and you do, or if you're buying for a father or a husband or whatever, we can actually help you there because you can go to our store tab. We've got feature films that actually are really good as Father's Day gifts. Those are available on Blu-ray. Also, if the dad or husband in your life is a reader, I do genuinely recommend my book, Paper Father, because what I've heard so far is that the fathers and sons that have read it have enjoyed it, which says to me, if you're a reader, Father's Day gift. Well, you've been reading it to your son. I is have that, been. That's is been that continuing? very interesting. We're are almost you guys, done. We're oh, you almost are? done. Yes. Okay. He's thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. Uh, I would not have had an 11-year-old read the book by himself. Gloss over the parts that need to be glossed it, over. But, but I've right. been reading it with him, and he's actually thoroughly enjoyed it, which has been very, very cool, actually. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, big thanks to our TV sponsors. Beginning July 3rd, 2021, on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, Covercraft, Griot's Garage, Haggerty, Auto Tempest, and big shout-out to Power Stop Brakes, too, for sponsoring the Cheap Sports Car Challenge yeah. that led us to the topic Tuesday a little bit. I uh, just happened to be driving to Salt Lake today. Okay, down and yeah. back. Had an errand yeah. to go down there. And the SLK did great. Great. Good, good. I'm, I'm really sold on Mercedes. This, you know, janky 156,000 mile car yeah, is just yeah, yeah. doing great. Mm-hmm. It's running like a champ. And I'm coming back up the hill and I almost got run off the road, out of, certainly out of my lane. I had to deliberately move over to the other lane. You did. By people on their phones or trying oh, to tap man. in navigation into their phones. Oh, man. I want to not be upset, but I'm upset. <laughs> So this topic Tuesday comes to us from a friend's son who recently confessed to being terrified of operating a car. Mm, Like a young driver about to drive? He's 15. Oh, wow. Okay. Full disclosure, he was recently in an actual accident with his older sister who was driving and she turned Mm. in a little bit too early and he was in the passenger seat and got T-boned on the right side of the car. Okay. Yeah. So this has planted some fear early, Mm -hmm, too early. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And many of us haven't had that experience. Sure. So I, I guess I don't understand, but I understand what has transpired for him. You can see the series of events. Sure you can. Yeah. And so we've talked about this before and I really don't want this to turn into a rant, but I I fear it because Uh I'm upset at drivers in general for looking at their phones. The phones do not help you steer (laughs) and everybody keeps going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm so bored while driving. I'm going to look at my phone. And yet over here is a teenager who is deliberately putting off driving and getting his driver's license Mm -hmm. 
because he put it this way. He categorized cars as things that kill people. Yikes. I've never approached that. I've never thought of that since day one, since I loved cars and I was a fourth grader and drawing cars. And I never categorized them as that. They can be used that way. Well, it's Hopefully not deliberately, but well, it's not that it's, that's not true because it's absolutely true. It is. However, we don't think of them that way. First and foremost, you're right. Yeah. It's causing this delay in licensing. And I know this has been going on. This is not news. It's just to hear it continue and to hear it mm-hmm. up against the stories that we've got with my niece and nephew. They're driving and they're mm-hmm. enjoying it. I think I was out of necessity, Yeah. yeah. but I feel like if parents are afraid, then the kids are going to be afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. They pick up on that. For sure they do. And I see a lot of drivers who are causing traffic because they're going, hate to say it, at or under the speed limit, and they're going too slow for the flow of traffic. Sure. It's causing problems, and you're not passing that 18-wheeler quickly enough to unclog the freeway behind you. Sure. Start looking. Start paying attention. It's not just you in this isolated little thing and doesn't matter what you do. It matters. Mm, Look mm. at that flow of traffic. And so my friend's son said what he's observed from his peers are, first of all, friends in the car. And we mm. know that is a thing mm-hmm. because you get your license, you want to take your friends. Hey, we all did. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And some states do not allow it. Utah's on that list, actually. It's a graduated on, yeah. licensing, yeah. essentially a graduated stage. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they just add you know the number of people in the car as yeah. you get older or get experience. But lack of judgment is way up there. As I'm driving today, I'm reevaluating my own approach to driving. Mm, Interesting. I mean, the whole time I'm going, get out of the way. I'm holding my speed. I have an underpowered SLK. (laughs) Don't make me. Get out of the way. Don't make me try to climb this hill again. Exactly. Don't make (laughs) me downshift to third. Yeah. It's Mm. been a while since we've discussed this. We joke about going fast. We love speed. And actually, as a side note, recently talking to Bruce I, he was on the Austin trip with us, telling us about Australia, which... Mm. I kind of had an idea, but I kind of didn't. Okay. He said, in Australia, if you're going one mile per hour, one kilometer per hour over the speed limit, you will get ticketed. You will get fined Mm. because not only are there police, there's cameras everywhere. Cameras in the trees, cameras everywhere. Mm. One mile an hour. And I'm looking at my own speedometer going up a hill and then down the other side. I'm slow a little bit. You know, oops, you know, the car lost momentum because cars slow down going up hills. Yeah, yeah. And it went below the speed limit a little bit. And then you crest the hill and you pick up speed and oops, I'm 10 miles an hour over. Yeah. Yeah. I am suddenly a lawbreaker, but you know what? I'm also going with a flow of traffic and it 70 miles an hour really doesn't feel too dangerous. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> even, doing 70 around even me. Even in an old beat down SLK. Yeah, people, people are like passing me fine. like crazy. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking, wow, I would be massively ticketed. Yeah, for sure. And the way we, you know, experienced the Austin trip, Bruce said, if this had gone on, if you had gotten caught, you would have been outed on the front page of the newspapers mm. you would have been ostracized your car would be collected and crushed <laughs> going holy cow and and here we take it so lightly yeah it's you're barely law breaking when you're breaking the speed limit i mean it is it is the ultimate slap on the wrist you know it is but it's still breaking the law but on yeah, the other hand yeah, yeah. that speed that flow of traffic rule still applies so i'm i'm so conflicted because mm, mm. I want people to have the opportunity and freedom to drive. And I want to encourage this young guy, this kid to start really thinking about personal responsibility and what that means behind the wheel, because he's just freaked out and Mm -hmm. that's all he can think about. And if that's all he's thinking about, he's not going to be paying attention to what he's doing and therefore only perpetuating his fear. 
An interesting not point. being a good driver. Point. We had this conversation recently in a Subaru Outback, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a little bit in that test drive. And this is, look, this is not, what I'm about to say here is not a discussion of Subaru Outbacks specifically. But Subaru has kind of industry-leading safety tech. Mm-hmm. They have they, they literally have tech watching the driver's eyes to make sure you're paying attention, and they have all of these sensors all around. And full full disclosure on it, it works incredibly well. It's yeah. very very good safety tech. Yeah. But what you and I find fascinating about about driving in a, in a car with a lot of safety tech or a lot of capability, the Outback was where we started talk, discussing it. But I mean, we've got a, a Volkswagen product right now that does it. We've just about mm-hmm. everything we've driven in the last six months has some sort of safety tech that is lane keep assist, and it's very worried about where other cars in relation to you are. But for example, whenever we shoot cars, we're almost always closer than these safety systems want cars to be. Oh yeah. So all of this happens. And my point here is, if you're a frightened driver, and if you have a lot of safety systems that are worried about you, I think it perpetuates your concern for the situation. Mm-hmm. Because the car is now freaking out all the time. You and I have these situations when we're in these cars, and the car freaks out about something, but we're aware that we feel confident and safer than the car believes we are. And so we go, yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's like having a, a scared passenger is how these safety systems feel. Yeah. But if you were a scared driver, and now the car says, oh, look out, what what, what happens? Look, if you're if you are just theoretically, you're not, because none of us are the best driver in the world, but if you were the best driver in the world... If you put a really frightened passenger in beside you and they suddenly freak out, mm-hmm. you as a driver will suddenly get tense. Like, what am I missing? Yes. You will, you will like, uh, you'll jerk the wheel and like, what, what on earth is happening? That kind of stuff freaks you out. So if you're already frightened, I can see how safety systems, which let's be honest, work well and are with the best intentions, can perpetuate that fear and make the situation worse. But I haven't, we have another friend, Greg, who has four boys. Yeah. Yeah. His first son. And these, his first two boys have totally different personalities. And his first son got his license kind of flippantly. Mm-hmm. Okay. But mm-hmm. his second son, who has always his whole life been a thinker, like big thought ponderer kid. Okay. He learned to drive. And the more he got his driving instruction, the more his father told me, he was like, he's an excellent, he's a very, very good driver. He's very observant. He's aware of what to do. He's very smooth. But the more he learned, the more he didn't want to drive for this exact same reason. Was it fear? He was concerned about the level of responsibility that he was about to undertake. His older brother was like, whatever, because that's kind of his older brother's personality. And I'm not saying which one's right here. I thought it was interesting that these two boys, who were like 18 months apart, were totally different. And the second boy had very much the demeanor of, "Ah, Dad, I don't don't know that I want to drive Mm. because Mm. I don't know that I like the responsibility of this. And he eventually warmed to it because the situation was, and this was, I mean, just reality because they have four boys going different directions. Right. His father said to me, he said, look, if you want to get to your girlfriend's house, if you want to get to work, you're going to have to drive because I can't take you. There's other stuff going on. Right. So he was right. kind of by lifestyle kind of required to drive. And, but for the first six months, think about this, Los Angeles, he refused to get on a freeway. No kidding. Yes. So because that increased his travel that, times. That extra layer was just too much. Now, I remember when I started to drive. The freeway step was very concerning yeah. because yeah. I re- what I remember about it was there was no escape route. Okay. Once you got on okay. here, you had to do it right. You had to do it right until there was the next opportunity to get off. And I remember that, that thinking as a, as, as a first driver. I was like, okay, all right, we're doing this because when I get on this freeway, I get up to speed, there isn't an opportunity to be like, you know what? I just need to pull up. No, I, you got to keep moving. Mm. There's other people going on. I am increasing the danger by being a problem. Mm-hmm. So 
what I think is an interesting side note to this that's going on is the current generation of kids, okay, and I'm going to say anybody from 20 and under, okay. my son included, okay. have grown up in a world where they don't need to drive. And that is new in the U.S. That is new. Because yeah, yeah. if you think about it, post-World War II, when we had post-World War cars and everybody was getting a car. And everybody had cars and houses and garages and it was this big explosion. For the first time in U.S. history, you had kids growing up who they could get the freedom of getting fully away from mom and dad. Before the car, yeah, yeah. Before the car most people never traveled more than about 100 miles from where they were born and lived their entire life before the car. Which is true and amazing. Okay. Amazing. If you needed to go to your friend's house 20 miles away, you were walking. Clap, clap, clap. Unless clap, you could clap, get the clap. family horse. And then it was still taking a while, <laughs> exactly. okay? So what, what you ended up with in the 50s, 60s, 70s, on up through there, mm-hmm. you ended up with this situation where once you became a teenager, it was, I got to get out of here, which every teenager feels. Of course. But of course. you had the ability to do it. Yeah. My friend lives across yeah. town, and I'm going to get in a car, and I'm going to go see them, or I'm going to meet them somewhere where kids drink and whatever. You know what I mean? That was the demeanor. That was how cars were actually sold and bought and loved. Yeah. Yeah. The flip sides happen now, and I, I simultaneously love the joke of this, but don't like the reality of it as a person's about to be a father of a teenager. And that is, <laughs> if, if you want to complain about mom and dad, and it's 1985, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to put on a puffy jacket and something neon, and you're going to drive to a place where you and your friends can complain about your parents. Fair. Now, you can sit at the dinner table and text how much you hate mom and dad, and nobody knows. It's true. You have that camaraderie with your yeah. buddies. yeah with your peers that doesn't require you leaving the house. So I think that capability is exaggerating what we're talking about because the need to get away, which I think every teenager feels, and at the time you're getting ready to drive at 16, you want to get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But you don't need to leave the house to do it. That's an interesting point, and I don't have an answer to the following, and that is we don't dwell on the COVID-19 pandemic, but it is a reality in our lives. It affected everything worldwide for better or for worse. And now that everybody has discovered they can work from home and they don't need to live in the cities anymore because they can Mm -hmm. get paid to sit in their living rooms. Their pajamas in their house. Pajamas, and Mm -hmm. they can work from home, including people who are young, first-time job. Usually, it was, you got to show up for work, get Mm -hmm. dressed. Now, you can probably get hired, work for a tech company, and you'll never know an office. And therefore, with all these families now moving to wherever, which has greatly affected real estate and construction, yeah, 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 is there going to be a need once again for teenagers to get out of the house and get away? Interesting. Maybe. Will it affect the city centers? I don't have an answer for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, what it does come down to, as you alluded to, was distractions distracting at the dinner table because now you can do it in secret. Yeah, you can. And it continues in the car. And I looked up this stat from the NHTSA in 2019, 3,142 people were killed in the United States due to distracted driving, just distracted driving. Mm -hmm. I point the finger at me. I have, I admit I have looked at my phone while driving and I kick myself. Yeah, I hear you because here I am saying, could we all put our phones down? Please put Mm -hmm. your phones down. I saw it all day long and I'm going, well, why don't you get around the tractor trailer? Don't hang out next to the semi. They can't see you. Get, get out of the fast lane so the rest of us can pass and mm-hmm. ease the bottleneck. And yep, sure enough, you're on your phone. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter. Age, ethnicity, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is doing this. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. And it doesn't help you steer. I say that every time a car goes by <laughs> and somebody's on their phone, but doesn't help you steer. Yeah. Doesn't help you operate the car. Yeah. It really doesn't. That's so why I explained to this guy. Mm-hmm. 
this 15-year-old kid, the high cost of driver's licensing in Germany, as opposed to 40% of the nation's highways are de-restricted zones, no yeah. speed limits. Yeah, yeah. With acknowledgement and respect and reference to author Justin Bariso at Inc., I was interested in really what it takes. We've talked about this before, and he has some high points here. First of all, a mandatory eight-hour first aid course. Then a minimum of 25 to 45 hours of instruction and 12 hours of theory. A theoretical exam that you must score 90% or better. Then a practical exam, all for the cost of greater than 2,000 U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's illegal to pass on the right. It is, yes. Everybody does it, except in Germany. (laughs) It's so funny. Side note, anytime we go to Germany and I spend a week or two, no one passing on the right. (laughs) When I come back to the U.S., it's the weirdest thing ever. It's the weirdest thing. It's also very weird to get all the way in the left lane and realize I can't go any faster right now. This is as fast. When the the road opens up, you you come back from Germany, the road opens up, you pull all the way left, and the person in front of you pulls right, and the road opens up. Subconsciously, you're just be like, and my foot's to the floor. No, no, no. This has a speed limit. (laughs) (laughs) My foot's all the way. Downshift, downshift. Uh, Shoot. I am asking our insurance companies, can you give a discount for people who go through this, but this kind of training? If we had more training. We we can't make it mandatory. There's no way I could say, well, you have to have this. But could you offer a smoking discount or some sort of incentive for people that do want to take it seriously? Because... Mm -hmm. The entire driving community is the village raising our new drivers. Yeah. Everybody driving everywhere. And what is this 15-year-old observing? Everybody on their phones and doing stupid stuff and not getting out of the way and not paying attention, not looking in the rearview mirror Mm -hmm. and just generally being idiots because everybody's bored out of their tree. And so what do you do? You look around the car and what can I do? Smoke, eat, shave. Yeah. Look at my phone, mess with the stereo. Well, I mean, when we commuted in Los Angeles, we always joked about the stuff we saw. I mean, the people with the open newspaper, I mean, it wouldn't happen now this way because you'd have it on your phone, but people with the (laughs) open newspaper on the steering wheel, the person eating the bowl of cereal is one of my all-time Cereal on the horn pad. Think about an open bowl of cereal while eating, while doing your commute because you're so bored and stop and go. It's absolutely a thing. Just submit them to Cirque du Soleil like, you are amazing, sir. Well, but here's the other thing about it is is I, I have a buddy who used to be a traveling salesman and he just joked about the fact that he started seeing, because of what he did for a living, he started seeing the, the chair office, the, the, car, the desk. car desk. He started seeing those where it's, where it's a thing that is the reverse tilt to your passenger seat with a desktop on it, and you could have your laptop going, you could have a bunch of stuff in a desk on your passenger <sighs> side because, well, you're a traveling salesman and you're driving. This is everything but driving. But the problem comes back to the fact that you have to want to, and I think in some cases you have to want to because you need to. And I think the need is changing. The need is changing. It hasn't quite caught up with this 15-year-old yet because he doesn't have a need yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if he gets to a place... But but look, I'll go to the flip side. My sister has lived in Manhattan and London for most of her adult life. Right, right. I think she has probably driven in the last 20 years of her life less than... I mean, cumulatively, probably less than I have in a year. That's how little she's driven. She so rarely drives. She she doesn't have a car She has no car. She has no car. She has no current license, in fact, because she lived in Manhattan where it was unnecessary, and now she lives in London. And so it, it is very possible, to, and, and she's done it for 20 years, but it's very possible to have a full-on lifestyle that is excellent mm-hmm. and never have a need for a car. Mm-hmm. If you've experienced the, the fun and the freedom that you and I enjoy, and many of you listening to the podcast enjoy, of having a car, I think that interest and that fun, it's almost like cars are becoming a hobby thing. Where, oh, oh, you drive? 
A Quaint. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> why, why do you, I, I, I've mm. never driven. Why do you drive? There, that is a thing. Yeah. But we've heard people yeah. on this podcast that have like, they've only worked in Manhattan and they just moved to Los Angeles. And so it's this whole thing of, well, it's LA. I need a car. Right, but now it's right. like, I have money. I need a car anyway. Let's get a fun car. There are roads you can drive for fun because if you had a Manhattan headspace, that hasn't been your headspace at all. So that's what I find fascinating about this shift right now is if you're scared, you have the capability to remain scared and to avoid driving. True, true. Which hasn't been possible until kind of this current time because technology has made it pretty easy for you to not have to with, with Uber. Let's just think of it there. Just the, just the capability of rideshare has made this possible. Where you could you could live in Los Angeles, actually, which is a car required town, yeah. without a car now because of ride sharing. Yeah, five years ago couldn't even do it. My cousin, yeah, he does. He doesn't have a car, and and because the the truth is, if you're in a place like L.A. that isn't good for public transit, if you take the bus, your whole day like doubled in length. Yeah, but if yeah. you have somebody show up at your curb and take you somewhere. And you just do that when it's necessary. Now, you don't have to ever drive. Well, I don't think cars are ever going to go away as a status symbol, as a let's take driving and driving fun out of the equation. Just the a the ability to afford something at that level and show off everybody mm-hmm. you can afford something at that level, where the, whether it's a $40,000 sports car, go on up from there. You're showing the world. You're, you're displaying. Sure. Look at what I can afford. Look at what I who I am. This is, mm-hmm. you know, a projection of me. That's never going to go away. And secondly, what is the device 100 years ago that could have been invented to get us all around and start moving us mm. rapidly? Planes, yeah, but how about around the town? How about sure, yeah. you know, around the city, next state over, that kind of thing? What is, what is the device that could have been invented? The car. Mm-hmm. And it will continue to remain. It will continue. We'll absolutely need this in the future. It's morphing and changing. And so if you know of a young driver in your life, please encourage them. Mm. Please set the example for them because if they ride with you, they're watching everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't take it as seriously as new drivers are looking at it, that says a message, sends a message. Yeah, it does for sure. Looking at your phone, set that example. Now, once you're past that and your, the fear is gone, it can be actually fun. And then, you know, we get into power and tires and sure, tracking yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the stuff that we love about driving that is such freedom of being in control of this thing. Yes, it can be looked at as it could kill people. Mm-hmm. So can many things, yeah, but sure. used in the right way. Look at what fun this is and look at what it does to bring people together, car groups, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really still <clears throat> upset at all the drivers on the road. So many stupid <laughs> things. Oh my gosh. I There's a lot of it out there. A guy forced me to the right, I went around him because he was not leaving the, the number one lane and mm-hmm. I started to go around him and then he came right over, didn't even look. I was almost run off the road. Wow. Couldn't believe it. Like, buddy, oh my yeah. gosh. Here I am. Hi, down here. It's when you and I joke about needing the little go-kart flags on our sports the cars. The dune flag. Nobody sees them. It's Sheesh. crazy. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. 
Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. We have a great car debate here from Cortland writing to us from Florida. He is taking a pay cut and looking for another car all at the same time. Typically, it would go the other way. Right. Well, he's... uh saying that he currently drives a 2017 Camaro SS 1LE. He tracks a few times a year. He autocrosses once or twice a month. His car history includes a 2005 Ford Escape, his first car, and perfect for that job. He drove it for eight years before selling it and got an 03 Mini Cooper S, like Todd's. He says, unfortunately, his wasn't reliable like uh, like yours was, Todd. Mine was, mine was almost 200,000 miles and taken care of with pristine care. It had been, every it part was, superb. was dismantled and loved and caressed it and then superb. reassembled. superb, yes. Well, he purchased a Fiesta ST, which he did love, autocrossed it a lot. He says, at its first and only track day, he promptly melted the brakes. You were serious. Yes, you were. You took all that autocross training very seriously (laughs) and went on the track and used those brakes. Wow, okay. He says, after that, he bought a dedicated track car, which was an 01 NB Miata. Second gen Miata. Okay, great. Yeah. He loved it. Barely fit. He's six foot, 250 pounds. He says, ended up selling both those cars for an 05 BMW 330i ZHP. ZHP now, that's package. very cool. Now, that is the era of the much-beloved E46 uh, M3 that everybody says is the thing. Yeah. They didn't make a four-door M3 that generation. Right. But the ZHP was the closest you could get, and they are awesome. They're truly, really good. They really are. He says that car was the epitome of a perfect daily, comfortable, quick enough, gorgeous, good condition. But as all old cars are, especially German, it needed things. Uh And previous owners, the maintenance was done with sometimes substandard parts. That is a choice of, (laughs) hmm, do I want to go out to dinner? Yeah. Or do I want to spend all the money on the new parts? That's, That's sad, but true. You're right. It happens. Over his two years of ownership of that car, he spent an average of $450 a month on parts. That is... <clears throat> that is shocking. By the way, that's, that's up there. That's parts because parts, Cortland right. does the work himself. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what it would have been if he would have paid someone to do four hundred and fifty dollars worth of parts labor on his car every month? Oh my gosh! Here we're we're selling you on the three thirty i ZHP. We, we are. Yeah, and we're saying then, buy uh, old German cars now. Wow. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. So he says, after tracking and autocrossing that car, he was concerned about even more repairs. Mm-hmm. So. Discussion with the wife, he made the decision to sell it and use that money for a down payment on the Camaro SS1LE. He says three years ago, if you had asked him, he'd say he would have never owned a Camaro, but he loves it. Mm. It's not an amazing daily, but his commute's only 1.8 miles. Wow, okay. He rides his bike to work as often as he can, but for fun drives and autocrossing and track days, he says it's perfect. Yeah, that would be great for that, for sure, yeah. Well, he's got a unique opportunity to drive a lot of different cars at autocross because he's one of the guys in charge of the Jacksonville, Florida SCCA autocross club. That's very cool. I love that. Yeah, for sure. He says this opens him up to co-drives and lots of friends' cars when needed, which means he can experience a lot of different cars, and he has. Cayman GT4s, Corvettes turned into a death cart. It's a death cart. (laughs) Somebody has taken their Corvette and made it into not very streetable, but man, it's quick (laughs) doing this. BRZs, heavily, heavily modified, and Integras, you know, the, on, uh, on, the on. cars. Yeah. 
But he's moving on to some changes. He's shortly going to be taking a new job and losing a significant amount of his income. Wow, okay. He and his wife did the math, and they can scrape by and keep the Camaro. The new job, he says, is about six miles from home, so biking to work is certainly possible, but less desirable in the Florida heat. Mm. But right now, he writes, is the prime time to sell the Camaro with the way the used car market it's, is. Everything's accelerated, yeah. He says, absolutely hard limit here, Paul. In cash, roughly ten to $12,000. Okay, all right. He wants to stay under that number, but he's willing to go over a little and have a small loan, loan payment that he can pay off quickly. The requirements. Wife's got a thing about two seaters, he says. No wiggle room there. So four seats for are required. Required. Yeah. Can we get by with two plus two? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> like, but no. technically it has four seats. How big are the seats? Yeah. Autocross and track day capable. He does a lot of this, so the new car needs to keep up. Manual is preferred, but a good auto dual clutch is acceptable. Okay, yeah. And good gas mileage. He says money is going to be tight for at least a year, but he likes space to be able to carry four wheels and tires and tools, mm-hmm. as you do. He's strongly considering a fit sport, modified, or going back to the Fiesta ST. He's driven GTIs. He's just not crazy about them, mm-hmm. but he does say hot hatch does feel like the play here. I can see it, yeah. But here's the twist. Up until the very end, he says this new job is an apprenticeship with hands down the best independent German mechanic in his area. Hmm, okay, all right. Cortland, you're going to be getting a lot of requests here shortly. Yeah, for sure. But the owner has a number of customers. He race preps cars for. He does high-end exotics, pedestrian wow. BMWs, Volkswagens, Audis, Porsches. So any car that would require a small bit of maintenance mm, or modifications mm. is in play because he will have access to tools, a lift, and that owner's knowledge. And expertise. And he's going to—he's essentially doing that apprenticeship. He's going to become that guy, which is really cool. And I'm, I'm very impressed, Cortland, that you're taking whatever – you don't even say what you currently do. Mm-hmm. But you're taking a step out of that for something that you love and to actually do – this. sorry, side note – this is that old-time apprenticeship that doesn't really happen anymore because yeah. we have so few jobs that are work-with-your-hands jobs that you only learn by actually getting in there and working with your hands under somebody that can be like, no, 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 not that way, this way, or this is a trick, or whatever. You can watch YouTube videos about everything on the planet, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's the only way anybody normally learns, how do I do this now? Yeah. But this side-by-side stuff, this apprenticeship, is that is a dying art in of itself, I think it's very cool that you are stepping out of whatever you've been into into this because you love it. That's really cool. Cortland, I have the weirdest thought for you. It's referencing the first few Fast and Furious movies. Okay, wow, that's current. I like because F9 is about to come out. <laughs> F9 is so, about to F9. come out. It's sweat equity mm. because you're going to be with this owner who's going to have a lot of cars coming in and out, mm-hmm. owners who are buying, owners who are selling. You're going to be learning so much. You're going to be an even better mechanic and wrencher. You're going to be the go-to guy for everything concerning mm-hmm. tracking and autocrossing. And okay, now what should I be thinking about? You know, little tweaks and touches to whatever you own. Is there a car? Is there a heap in the back? Is there something oh, I see. that the owner has never really gotten around to building? Because oh, with see. every independent mechanic, there's always the car they can't work on because it's theirs and they have too much other business mm-hmm. to do. That's a good point. Is Interesting. There, could I could I work on that? Could I apprenticeship mm, on your car? What's the and then car in the back? I could kind of own it at some point, and it would be an even better car and worth more money. But I got better working for the owner. Got better, you know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought of that. That's cool. C- could you do some sort of sweat equity kind of? Okay. Yeah. Bring your skills as you learn, and you're building this thing up in your spare time and on weekends and that kind of thing, and then suddenly. It's brilliant. It runs. It's back together. Mm-hmm. The paint is finished. By the way, get it painted. Don't leave a primer. 
<laughs> finish it. <laughs> and then it's yours. Something way out of your ten to $12,000 budget. Interesting. All right. Because you still have the Camaro. I'm asking. Well, but I'm wondering if the Camaro is, is the dividing line. I'm wondering if the Camaro getting sold is the only way this 10 to 12 grand comes Well, up. probably. And we don't but, know what your wife drives currently. Yeah, that's true as well, yeah. But you only have six miles. I know it's in the heat, but six miles on your bike. Mm. I mean, just saying, it's not that far. It's far, but it's not that far. Interesting. I, you I, are you're, yeah, you're dedicating them to something Six months, a year? Could, could you come mm. away with... What is the car in the back under the tarp that you went, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have one of these and yeah, you never told me? and. Yeah. Why is it in a heap? And can, yeah, all the parts are up there in the loft, and I got all these great things and mag wheels and blah, blah, Every blah. Every shop has that car. You are yes, so right. They do. That is fascinating. Yeah. What is that car, Cortland? And can you build it and make it yours? That's, That's cool. My first idea. Okay, keep going. The second idea is a Mini Cooper S JCW. You already had a Mini, mm. but how about a newer one? Because that okay. does okay. check all the boxes. Lightweight for tracking and autocrossing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know the car, you're familiar sure, with yeah. them. It has four seats, and when you fold them down, you can get four tires and tools in there. You can, for sure, yeah. That's the car that I'd love for you. Mm. Because you mentioned, should I go back to the Fiesta ST? You're open to going back and owning cars you've owned before because Mm. they worked for your lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. The ownership progression doesn't have to be, well, I've owned that car, so never again. It's out of my life. Mm. It doesn't have to work that way. If you miss it or if it kind of comes back around in the newer iteration and Mm. Well, it actually kind of works again, and they're in my budget, and I liked the one before, so okay, sure. He's dealing with such a major life change here. This is a total reset button on almost anything. Really anyway. is. Yeah, keep going. The last car I had for you is way out of your budget, but, you know, it's me. I had to suggest a Toyota Corolla XSE with a manual. Oh, the brand new one, yeah. Light hatchiness, mm-hmm. lightweight, light, warmish hatchiness. <laughs> it's a lukewarm hatch. It absolutely is, yeah. Here's my idea for you. The GR Corolla will be coming out from Toyota at some point. Theoretically, yes. You're starting your own. Oh, funny. You're getting to it early. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Is there a twelve dollars to $15,000 Corolla XSE with higher mileage that you could build up into your own thing, your own mm, hot hatch mm-hmm. and rivals? The reason I suggest that is because of your BMW. It wasn't an M3, but almost. Yeah. Okay. Fair. This fair. is the Corolla, GR Corolla. Not really. It's almost. Mm-hmm. Or apply that kind of thinking to something else that has caught your eye. You said Fiesta ST. I, I, I still love the Mini Cooper S for you. I think okay. it would be unique, That's good. small, four seats. That's where I'm going for you. I like it. I like it. Cortland, I want to talk about the Fiesta ST again for a minute, as Paul just did. You said that or the Fit. Now, look, we like the Fit. We've seen Fit race cars that are quite fast. Yeah. You can absolutely make those into a race car. And I, I, I can't deny the fact that the Fit has a really good gearbox and a surprisingly good car that is also very usable. Yeah. However, what you're telling us is you're not going to have extra disposable income. So what I'm yeah, concerned true. for you with the fit is buying something that now isn't the car you want it to be because you need to buy a bunch of parts. He's used to buying parts. He's used to buying parts, and he can't now. Yeah. So that's why I think the Fiesta ST wins over the Honda Fit because the Fiesta mm. ST you could get right now, and you know you could take it to autocross, take it to track, just the way you bought it. There, just take it. True. Okay? Yes, you're going to go through tires and brakes, but I think you, you're kind of planning for that because that's your lifestyle of going to the autocross the track. But the fit, the day you buy it, is going to be a solid track car. And you know that. Mm. Okay? So just be careful on those brakes. So anyway, do those. Do those things. But I think the fit is going to take further to get it to the place you want it, and the Fiesta is you just kind of buy it and drive it. So that's why the Fiesta ST is my favorite over the fit. Uh, you could do a Focus ST if you wanted to step up a bit. Oh, okay. Those are in that budget. You could, I have to to say it, 
Somebody's going to mute the podcast for the next 10 seconds. Here's your warning. You know, the FRS BRZ 86 chassis has four seats. And the big thing they brag about is the fact that you can drop the back seats and put tires and tools in there. And it gets good gas mileage. It's everything you've asked for. It is true. a less usable shape than a hatchback. But I'm wondering about, is that even on your radar? However, I think I've found the best car for you. Oh, yeah? Because you are a guy who I, I think you want a new experience that is a hatchback mm-hmm. that you can track that's interesting. Okay. And if something happens, you can work on it. What about a Mazda Speed 3? Oh, going back to I haven't to talked Mazda about Speed. that in a while. But they're excellent. They're they are. very good on track. They're very good, period. You have to deal with torque steer, but okay. A little bit of that's, a rodeo That's there. funny in its own way. Just ride it out. And, and, and the thing is, they're... Those had some known issues that were about making sure they didn't overheat. Now, that engine was actually much more overheat prone in the Mazda Speed 6. Mm, mm-hmm, but there mm-hmm. were some issues with that. I know that everything about those can be addressed because they're all known issues. But they're cheap. They look really cool. You don't see very many of them. I, I see them every now and then here. And everyone I see is being hooned. They just The drivers of those things drive quick. Mm, yeah, and I think, yeah. so I think a Mazda Speed 3 is a unique hatchback you could get and enjoy. And I think it's got a nice enough interior that you'd be happy there too. I think it would, yeah, I like that. It'd be a nice new experience there and turbocharged goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. All right, Cortland, well, let us know what you find and keep us posted on, uh, you know, what's, what's under the tarp? I want to know what's back there. What's I, under, yeah, back I, of the garage. I know it's sure. back there. We're really proud to have Covercraft as a long running TV and podcast sponsor. That's because Covercraft not only makes the best custom-fit car covers, but also has all the products you need to keep your car ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers and dash covers, sunscreens, and more, all custom-tailored for your vehicles and made with the quality and attention to detail that has been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an investment from our personal fun cars and SUVs to our crazy cheap sports cars. Covercraft is focusing on protecting the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love, too. Whatever cover or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. You can follow the link from our sponsors page for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Jumping into questions here, Richard Damiano says he gets it. Fake vents add interest to the sides of a car. Mm -hmm. But what technique should a designer or manufacturer use instead to imply sportiness? Wow. Besides the overall architecture of the car, you mean? Yes. All those little fake vents, well, especially with the Supra, Mm -hmm. it was our understanding that the new Supra was intended for those vents to be popped out eventually by tuners and used for Mm -hmm. brake cooling ducts and that kind of thing. Yes. Supposedly. It's a lovely thought. I love that they're thinking about that, you know, in advance and at least giving the opportunity. Some of them might have looked better in the sketch. (laughs) Well, it's also because it was the FT1. Which was yes, a fantastic-looking yes. concept car, and and I don't know the measurements, but it had to be at least a foot longer than the body they ended up putting on that car. Mm-hmm, so taking mm-hmm. a much, much longer—it it was probably multiple feet longer. I'd love to see the measurements. One of you will look it up right now, I know. But it was such a longer concept car that when you compressed it, all of those vents and craziness didn't have the room to do kind of like the spread and the, and the, and the flash that they were intended for. And you end yeah. up with kind of weird side vents. But that's also something that we've talked about, the plague of the front three-quarter vent. Yeah. Right behind yeah. the front wheel. Everybody on the planet put in the same like McLaren Nike swoosh shape yeah. for like 10 years on every single car they made. Yeah. That wasn't a real vent. It was just a thing. <laughs> it's just a stylistic element. 
It's a visual interest. But look at the Honda S2000. They pulled off sportiness and have the cleanest surfaces imaginable. The cars that did that so well that didn't have any body rub strips on the side. Yeah, yeah. The rockers were clean and simple. The hood was just a single beautiful shape. But that sportiness was indicated through wheels and the front face. Mm-hmm. So what is the purpose of the car that's got that new signature face on it? But the rest of it is just this clean theme, wheels, maybe a little bit of spice down at the rockers. You know, gigantic rear diffuser at the rear, something like that. Gigantic <laughs> exhaust pipes. You know what I mean. But just yeah. that, that's what I'm attracted to. Just clean, beautiful design. Unless it's functional, like mm. 911s, like Caymans. Those are indeed functional, and I, I get that. It does add visual interest, but because of the mid-engine location, it kind of has to have those vents. Sure, yeah. Brian circles us back to the topic Tuesday we started with by asking me and also you, which I think is funny, what do I think my son's first car should be? <laughs> And he brings it up because he said he has a son about the same age as my son, who's 11. Okay. And Brian is currently driving a Veloster N. And it sounds like his son is really excited about this Veloster N and kind of wants it to be his first car. Mm. And Brian's going, "Um, this is a performance model. This is a powerful car. How do we feel about a a kid's first car being a performance model? Now, Brian, first off, I have to say we talked about it up at the top, top of the podcast. Every child is different in how they approach driving. Yeah, true. And different kids are going to have, honestly, you could, my friend with four boys, he's going to treat each one of them and their driving and what car they should get as a result differently because they are different people behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't begin to say if your son could handle a Veloster in, I think it's too much car. I think it's too powerful because I, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like that the place that a, a young driver gets himself in trouble the most is look what I can do with my right foot. Mm-hmm. Look at how fast I can go, okay? I think that's the most likely place to get in trouble. I feel like a car, you have to ring out the power, you have to go find the power, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is not only instructional, but good, because the, the, the child can't overwhelm the car, themselves with the car, okay? I'll give you a, a complete shift. I remember driving the Lotus down to Salt Lake one day commuting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I got very concerned because there was a huge full-size Chevy, like 2,500 pickup that I had to pass. Right. I remember this. And it was all the way in the left edge of the lane, Mm -hmm. all the way in the right edge of the lane. We're doing 80 miles an hour on the freeway. And I've coming up in the Lotus and I just kind of had to pick my moment. I had to like time it for the moment when it drifted the opposite direction from me and I could bolt by. And I noticed as I went by, I, I felt sorry for, was a terrified young girl driving this thing. Oh my gosh. And I could hear in my head the progression with her parents. I could hear it. As as a parent, I could sure. be like, we're going to put you in the biggest, safest thing we can because if we put you in something huge, then if anything happens, you'll be safe. Right. But the other thing that happened now, she was driving a boat. It was way more than she felt yeah, comfortable handling yeah. and you could tell by the way she moved it that she was overwhelmed. Now, doesn't that theoretically create even more issues? Now, I'm sure the parents would argue, yeah, but if she has an issue, she's a young driver, she'll be safer because it's huge. I, I see the logic there. What I want for my son is something that he has to ring out. It's going to have to be manual transmission, full stop. Mm. 
because okay. that okay. T- takes the phone out of your hand. Yeah. Because your right hand is busy and your left hand is... T- all the limbs have got to do stuff. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You can't, you can't pick up and hold and touch with... You can't. I have to shift again. <laughs> so it will be manual transmission. It won't be overly powerful. I think that's the only issue with the Veloster N is I think that has a lot of power, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if your son grows into somebody that you feel like could handle that responsibility, okay. But I feel like that power into foot is the hard part. So I actually have absolutely entertained things like a Miata or an 86 as my son's first car. Sure. Because sure. it will require him to learn how to drive. And Indeed. it will be manual. Indeed. I don't know that that's where we'll go because, of course, I bring that up. My wife kind of goes, we got a few years to talk about it. So there's a conversation <laughs> pending. <laughs> putting but it on, we'll get there, it. yeah. Hmm, I, hmm, I'm a little mixed on this. And your son is coming from a different place than most new drivers. He's getting a lot of experience riding in various cars and seeing what we do and sure, being, yeah. you know, in and around the productions and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he's, he's seeing and experiencing lots. And I'm wondering about starting him out in front wheel drive. Mm. I'm just asking because sure, sure. the first thing is not uh, all the dynamics that you and I talk about. The first thing is learning to obey everything and controlling your car. Absolutely. Absolutely. Learning yes, to yes, understand yes. that, you know what, that person's coming through. I'm reading the signs. Mm-hmm. I'm reading you. And, you know, let's learn to drive. Let's worry less about dynamics first. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with the manual. I'm not wanting him in a turbo. So I'm thinking like yeah, a yeah, Veloster, yeah. a regular Veloster. Sure. Or sure. a Mini Cooper that's not a turbo mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. That's front wheel drive. And if you kind of screw up in a front wheel drive car, they're more forgiving than rear. Sure, they you can know. be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm just. I, I hear you. Pontificating, hear you. just wondering if maybe that front wheel drive manual something in a smaller, you know, controllable package, mm-hmm. but just get him thinking about the rules of the road first. Mm-hmm. Then let's slowly move to the dynamics. But then at that point, I feel like he should have some skin in the game. I feel like mm. if he had an '86, he should pay for a quarter of it or you know sure. just so it's his yeah, and so yeah, it's yeah. not like yeah my dad got me this and i'm off oh this is mine i've, mm-hmm. I've ooh, mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna take a little bit better care of this and i say that because my parents didn't do that for me even mm. though they bought me a co- an accord it was an accord <laughs> you know but i didn't have any skin in the game it was sure sure yeah. even though i i treated it differently and you know lasted a long time but i i'm just wondering if he mm-hmm. might approach that next car the car after I see your point. It was the Miata or the 86 or the next whatever Mm -hmm. low power rear wheel drive manual kind of thing. But he's, he's got ownership of it, which Mm. will change a person's perception. on It it. can. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Switching gears here. Revs up says Paul, just whiskey or do I also enjoy scotch? Likes a nice single malt. I do too. I Abalor Highland park, you name it. And by the way, for all of you wondering what is the difference between scotch and whiskey? Scotch is really just whiskey made in Scotland, Scotland. (laughs) It's usually barley and good news. uh, (laughs) The scotch, which whiskey regulations have changed just a little bit. So they are now including different casks. They still do not include the cider casks because why would you want to to age whiskey in a cider cask, but wine based casks, Oak certainly. So the rules have been updated a little bit, which is big news for the scotch whiskey industry. It's that part of the internet. I've never visited, but bravo. (laughs) They set the standards for quality and they're, they're, improving they're they're you know expanding and improving you know what qualifies but otherwise if you're wondering i i like the flavors like you know wood and leather and bacon and rubber and fire and dirt and you know all those flavors in whiskey so yeah i i, I love it all and i have the guy that says this was a really good year for coca-cola this was this was an excellent excellent year yeah 
Mystic Negro is writing in again. He's saying uh, he, he told his wife he was thinking about buying an old Tahoe. Okay. Because he's in the process of building a fence. And he's frustrated with the fact that he can't get full-size building materials. And by that, we mean, let's be honest, big four-by-eight sheets of things. He can't get those in anything they have easily. Okay. So he's thinking about buying an old, beat-up Tahoe. Okay. And he mentions this in passing. Now, all they have in their house are fun cars. Right. Different-sized fun cars, but fun cars. Right. And his wife says, do you have any idea how many uh, like furniture refinishing projects I could do if we had a Tahoe? Ooh. And he suddenly goes, how many rakes and landmines am I in? Uh, by the way, Mystic Negro, this is, this is bad. I'm just letting you know. This, what, what you've done here is you've accidentally tapped into something that was a whole other hobby your wife wanted to do, and she didn't have the car for it. So oh, man. you have to ask yourself, will the Tahoe ever go away, or is this now a progression of old SUVs that pick up <laughs> random pieces of furniture? Where, okay, by the way, you know where your fence is going. Where does the unfinished furniture go? Ooh. Do you have a place in your house? I mean, this is this Ooh. is the question that I think has to come up. Is you know why you're getting the Tahoe because you're building a fence. I'm assuming you're you're pl- you were planning for the Tahoe to exist for a period of time. <laughs> if she has this whole other hobby, she's going to take on because now you can haul stuff in a Tahoe. How long does it stay? And where does the furniture live? Mm. I I think mm. you're going to have to be real careful about the the use case. Let's go there. <laughs> the use case of the Tahoe and also said furniture. Are you now taking here here's the thing. I know mm. you and your wife both track your cars. You're both yeah. drivers. Yeah, yeah. Are you really gonna want to take one of those thousand mile, few hundred mile road trips, whatever it is, to pick up furniture in the Tahoe? We've had people Ooh. that have written in for that and, that and that's what they do. That's their hobby. I get it. But that's not really you guys. So is that gonna be the next chapter of your life? You're gonna drive <laughs> in a beat down old Tahoe with sawdust in the back, a couple hundred miles to pick up this piece of furniture so she can refinish it. I mean, maybe she will. Maybe you'll you know what? Maybe you'll both love it. But these are the questions. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one right there and move on to an excellent track daily crush that I didn't see coming from Ted Theologan on Twitter. Party on Ted. This is, this is a great one. I saw this too. This is phenomenal. First one is million dollar highway mm-hmm. just South of Ure, Colorado. Mm-hmm. The next one is scenic highway 12 and the hogs back section featured in the recently released on YouTube TV episode featuring the Hakone 86 versus Philoster N great road. And the last one is the road to Kearsarge Peak from mid-engines and mountains. You, my friend, are paying very close attention and have very sharp eyes. All of those roads are spectacular, oh. by the way. I do have an answer oh. here, but this though, you picked three amazing roads. One becomes a track, one becomes like a daily commute road, and the other one goes away. My, ooh, my track is Scenic Highway 12 mm. in Utah. Okay. Featured in the 86 versus Veloster N. My daily is Million Dollar Highway because of the scenery. And I don't want to turn it into a track because I don't want to drive off the edge. I had a feeling you were going to say that, actually, yeah. And I am crushing the Kearsarge Peak in California. As good as it is, I think the views are better on the other two roads. Believe it or not, I agree with you. But the reason I agree with you is, besides all the reasons you stated, is because Kearsarge Pass, that road there is by far the shortest of the three. Okay, fair enough. It's right. <laughs> awesome for a few, just a, just a few handful of miles, and we shot just about every square inch of that to get the piece that we did. And mm. it looks great, but we really wrung out that road to shoot it, yeah. whereas Million Dollar Highway was just like, we could come back here for another 10 episodes and keep shooting. Did you see that corner? 
And we didn't even yeah, shoot it. We yeah. just drove through it because I'm trying to get to it. There's apparently another one down here. It was there was that is my daily commute road if I could pick it. That would yeah. be the daily by far, and that does make Highway 12 the track. Highway 12 would be a phenomenal racetrack. It would be. Uh, it really would be <laughs> yeah. fantastic, especially the, the the peak section he's talking about, where you're driving right along the spine. Oh of the my ridge. gosh, I like that so much. I uh, yeah, the, the fear of heights for me kicks in, but I I will gut it out for that one. Another question on here from Twitter is Wayne Allred saying, is the emotional connection to new cars waning? Mm. Well, consider the emotional connection to Teslas that all new Tesla owners have. They yeah. might have never loved cars before, but they love their Tesla. Yeah, for There's sure. absolutely an emotional connection there for different reasons, not because of the dynamics or the looks, but because of the convenience and how well it works and how it integrates into like their life. Driving your phone. Yes. Kind of thing. So I... I hope that it continues, but I don't think so because I do believe car manufacturers are still recognizing the need to have halo cars at any price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Halo cars are the new forthcoming 2022 86. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Veloster ends and all mm -hmm. those kinds of things, even at a low price, they are still sort mm -hmm. of halo aspirational for the drivers kinds of cars. And so I think that will continue. Damn it. Patton asked a question that you and I've been discussing and we've been discussing it because you love this. Yeah. Okay? He says, are yeah. we, you mentioned that the Ridgeline is something we just had. Mm -hmm. We have the photos were out, which is what made him ask this question because the Ridgeline is in a, a dark red, almost like a wine color with bronze wheels. And he yes. said, what's happening with gold bronze wheels? Are they becoming a thing? Are all manufacturers going to do that to the point that like we're all sick of black wheels, it just becomes a thing everything's offered in. Here's the only reason I bring this up. I hope they don't burn that out. I'm, I never liked black wheels on a car. I'm putting my foot down right here. I never liked black wheels on a car. Okay. And everybody does it now, and I've, I've never been on board, but whatever. So it's a thing. I hope the gold bronze doesn't become that because I think it, it looks great on some cars and is unique, and the contrasting color it goes with is key. But the reason I bring it up is because I want to go ahead and defend my friend Paul right now. <laughs> okay. okay. Because if this becomes a trend, I want all of you to know that Paul loves what he calls the Iron Man look. I do. He did it the minute he got his ex his expedition, like four or five years ago. It was already maroon. He went and got some really cool method wheels in bronze and Iron Man to this thing, and it looks phenomenal. I do. And he's just decided that that's his look. And I've been joking, and it isn't the case, <laughs> but I've been joking that every car he has should now have this look because he really, really likes it. The the terrible joke that we've had, which I don't think he's going to do, I'm um, here I am speaking for Paul, is that his Cayman GTS, which is a gorgeous blue, should be wrapped in yeah, that same maroon and yeah. get some really bright gold wheels just to keep the theme alive. But it is a cool look. It doesn't work on everything. I hope it doesn't get burned out, though. You, I, were there, you were there first. I will give you that. I do, too. I hope it doesn't get burned out because it's such a unique thing from dark bronze all the way to light gold, like the magnesium kind of look. I think it can work, and it works on almost every color. That wine, plum, dark red. You're a big fan. Yeah. Works. I do like it on the blue. Blue with gold. It's the Subaru thing, no, yeah. Not the full-on Subaru, like yellow gold, but like the sophisticated sure, versions sure. of both colors. The yeah, yeah, sophisticated satiny blue and like a sophisticated Like the M2CS. Gold. That looks Here we amazing go. like that. Here that we go. looks great. It looks good on grays and silvers. Pr pretty good. Okay. Don't think it works as well on white, but black, it's kind of unique and special. And then that magnesium kind of look on green and, you know... And almost anything. Well, that was the Hakone 86 so as well. It has those bronzy wheels. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It, it, if it stays as kind of like, a, oh, that's unique, then it could be really cool. I'm, I am worried, like he brings up, that it's going to be on everything. As it turns out, if you put the... Co 
color wrap over the top of clear PPF and you want to remove it later, it'll take the PPF with it. So mm. that's an extra cost to then get the car re-cleared. So at least your paint's protected. It's super protected for sure. I've got one here from Ryan on Facebook that I'm wondering if you can answer because I didn't read this and think I know exactly what the answer is, but I think you might. Oh, okay. He's asking, of all the cars we've driven, which manufacturer has the best turn signal click sound? <laughs> Ooh, I want to go with modern Mercedes. It's the, okay. it's the most subtle kind of <laughs> click. It, it, it's just backed off. It's electronic, yeah. but it's, it's subtle. It's funny because this is one of those things that if you have one that annoys you, there's no getting around it. My wife has certain cars that it just annoys her. I've learned, because I've been married a long time, I've learned that if I pull into a turn lane, if I'd like to have a better experience while I'm sitting in the turn lane waiting, I turn it off. I turn it back on we're about to turn. Because if we just sit there with it ticking away, I can just, I can feel the frustration building in the passenger (laughs) seat. The hackles. You know, and then on the other end of the spectrum, my Lotus, okay, which is super loud anyway and has a perfectly normal but not profound ticking sound, uh, you can't hear it over the car when you're moving. So I have found well, on many not, occasions, yeah. like if I do a tur- if, I, if I turn and it doesn't reset, you know, you turn enough. And oh, you'll be driving along straight. with it on. I'll be driving along with it on, oh, and I'll yeah. realize it four uh, miles down the road when I actually do a lane change. Like, oh, that, oh, that was on because I couldn't hear it. I think Ryan that I like the more modern cars that have the way of electronically controlling it because sure. they can really fine tune the sound, and it doesn't have to be a mechanical loud yeah. thing. It can just be this sophisticated, subtle little tick. Unlike my microwave, which, you know, microwaves just suck. Do we need all those beeps at the end? It should be just, ding, hey, your food's ready. Like, great, <laughs> thanks, you know, my microwave. Just, I like that your God. microwave has an angry voice that oh. tells you to come get your food. That's ding. great. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. And put your phones down while driving, and I say that to me too, because we're setting the example for the new generation of drivers. Pay attention to your driving. Be drivers. Mm. I thought today, never more, ever more than now, has the show name Everyday Driver been so apt because we're not just guiding our cars around the face Mm, of the planet. We're not just steering around. We are driving. We are purposeful. We're driving Mm. and we're paying attention. And I hope that resonates and you can set the example for somebody else. Paul's had a good rant today. I've liked this. It's good. Cheers, everyone.